Hello, EKN Nation. Can you believe it? We are rolling uh, deeply into September, almost into Q4. Racing still to come, but what a season it's been. This is another edition of The Debrief. My name's Rob Howden. David Cole, of course, will be on with me here as we were at the Rotax Max Challenge U.S. Trophy Final this past weekend at Newcastle Motorsports Park. What a weekend it was. Episode 118 to The Debrief, September 19th, 2023. Today's show brought to you by Rawlison Performance Group. At the Rawlison Performance Group, we strive for ultimate success. We're more than just an arrive-and-drive race team with countless wins on the national and regional level. Our focus is on complete driver development, and that's where the success is fueled. We combine one-on-one coaching, on-track instruction, and intense data debriefing with unparalleled cart and engine prep. Our program will help you raise your game. We'll take you to the next level. If that's your goal, RPG needs to be your next move. Experience the Rawlison difference. All right, David Cole, we rolled back yesterday from Newcastle, Indiana for yet another uh, major Rotax event at that track. Only the second running of the uh, Rotax Max Challenge U.S. Trophy Final, September 15th to the 17th was the weekend. Uh, As I said, the second edition of this event, uh, all told, I know that we were heading home, just a super success all around. It was. I mean, it, aside from a little weather hiccup that we had at the end of the, of the weekend, uh, all in all, a, a overwhelmingly successful weekend of racing, uh, great atmosphere, a lot of competition out there. Every category was a nail biter, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you never knew what was going to happen. You kind of had an idea, but, uh, you know, certain things happened. Uh, surprises happen, new names uh, putting themselves in the in the limelight. And uh, yeah, so it's just a good uh, second event. You know, there's that sophomore slump. There was no sophomore slump in this <laughs> No, no way. You're right. Uh, David mentioned the weather. Beautifully sunny for a majority of the week. And we had some cloud cover. Um, highs in the you know, 70s. It was, it was really warm. Rain eventually did come in uh, late on Sunday, and it kind of ro- rolled right at the end of the Mini Max main event, and really changed strategy in terms of kind of le- at least initial thoughts on strategy for the Senior Max race to cap things off. It was wasn't the perfect ending, but it did make things quite interesting. Um, talking about no sophomore slump, David, the very first edition of this race last year. And remember, only five categories. That, that's what's key when you hear the numbers. Uh, Seventy six drivers last year, all told, in one, in in twenty twenty two. Come back with about a 40 to 45% growth spurt into the new year. Uh, 110 entries all told on this past weekend, an average of 22 per class. The highest class was Senior Max at uh, 36, but even the smallest class, which was Masters, still had a dozen drivers, which was super exciting. Yes. That, I mean, that was, you know, even that category was essentially, you know, kind of on your edge of your seat waiting to see what was going to happen because you never knew what was going to what you thought was going to happen, but it you know, <laughs> didn't quite know. Uh, but yeah, the third, you know, it was funny. Henry Boudet, the uh, Rotax voice, uh, you know, was working alongside with you on the on the broadcast. And he was like, 36 drivers. Are we going to have to run, uh, uh, you know, qualifying heat since I've like, no, this is America, man. We're going to all run them together. You that's know, right. um, but but that's amazing just to see the 36 number. Uh, growing from 26 last year and then doubling in the junior max category. Yeah. It's just unreal. And, he, and even, you know, always, we always talk, as any of you who tune into these debriefs know, we always look at the, the cadet categories to talk about the future growth, right? We have lots of micros and minis. Uh, inevitably, down the line, a couple of years, you're going to have good numbers in, in junior and then, of course, into senior. Um, 
they went plus five in micro max for 13 and plus three from mini max into 17. So really good fields in both those categories. And I'm sure if the J3 competition crew and race rotax kind of focus on, you know, building that micro and mini level around the, around the country with all their club series and the, uh, the, the U S trophy series East and West, that number is going to keep growing. So good numbers, both in those categories, double, as you said, in junior max, uh, the same dozen drivers in masters max, and then 36 strong, in senior big. Now, Dave, one of the big things is really the final opportunity of, you know, in, in the world to, to grab those, the, the, those tickets to go to the Rotax grand finals in Bahrain. So not only do we have a bunch of drivers from Canada and the U S, but there was also a number of drivers from different countries. I think 12 nations in total, I think uh, is what the number Henry was using. Uh, from, from what I have, I, I believe it's nine. So you count U S Canada, Peru, New Zealand, the UK, Taiwan, Brazil, Colombia, and China. So I have nine countries. I think he was using a couple of guys who were born somewhere but living right. somewhere. Right. Yeah. Like we were going off. Yeah. We were, I were going off what the um, entry country was was stated as. So where your driver license is or your competition license is from. So essentially that's kind of where we were getting the numbers. But yes, I believe there were some drivers who who do live in the United States are from other countries not mentioned. I'm not sure. I know he talked about Latvia and, and some other countries, I believe as well too, possibly even including Mardan. Uh, Mardan is um, Romanian. Romanian. Yep. So uh, that's another country represented as well. So there you go. Uh, all told by the numbers, 110 drivers, an average of 22 per category, low number 12 with masters, high number 36 with senior, as David mentioned, Double in junior max from 16 up to 32. Both those uh, classes put on man, just amazing shows. And uh, and again, we expect to see uh, another 10, you know, 15, 20% growth next year. This thing is uh, is taken off in leaps and bounds. And of course, the J3 crew, uh, Jim and John Giacomelli and Justin Stefani doing such a great job with this program. That gets things underway, though, for this edition of the debrief. When we get back from this quick break, we'll jump into the paddock pass, talk a lot about kind of what's going on here in the Rotax world. For over 20 years, Greg Bell has been building race-winning power for kart racers. One need only look at his team, Leading Edge Motorsports. He's always built engines for his team, and the results have been wins at the biggest races in America, the Scusa Super Nationals and the Rock Vegas events. The name on this program, Mega Power. This year alone, Bell and Danny Formell teamed up to sweep the Rock Shifter class on the Florida Winter Tour, all on a Mega Power engine. If you want to win shifter kart races, it's time to put Mega Power on your kart. Mega Power specializes in gearbox engines, such as the TMKZ, Rock Shifter, and IME Shifter. But with almost three decades of engine building experience, Bell develops winning motors for X30 and Mini Swift and everything in between. The combination of Greg Bell's engine building skills and his chassis tuning knowledge is a potent mixture. Greg's helped catapult many drivers to wins over the years, including Mercedes F1 star George Russell, who won the Supernats 14 in 2011 with Leading Edge Motorsports. Increase your odds of winning at this year's Rock Vegas or Supernational events or throughout 2023 by calling Greg Bell today at 209-747-2613 to put mega power in your corner. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry 
with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at www.franklincart.com where all our products are just a mouse click away. We're constantly adding to the growing product selection on the online store and we ship daily to ensure products get to you quickly. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, ceramic products, driveline branded products, Briggs & Stratton engines, OTK products, and of course, the championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fill your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services and is home to innovative engine works by FMS, our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. Meticulously engineered and manufactured in Japan, DID Genuine Parts are the world's number one original parts supplier for Japanese and European motorcycle manufacturers. A rich racing tradition where results speak for themselves, DID prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to longer chain life as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing kart chain. Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today, because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 118, as we're taking a deep dive into this past weekend's Race Rotax U.S. Trophy Final at Newcastle Motorsports Park. Uh, we'll jump into the paddock pass here. Lots to talk about from the event itself. This is a paddock pass brought to you by Comet Cart Sales. History, success, family. These are the three words that describe Comet Cart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside Indianapolis and has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in their near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, and they are continually adding new parts to their product line. Make sure to head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317 462 3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. Now, Dave, before we jump into the paddock pass, it was cool. I actually, because I was, I was there early enough, I actually went over to Comet Cart Sales. I've, I've never been to the actual physical place itself in Greenfield. Little history in there, a lot of trophies from, you know, from, from Emerson, from Mark, from like, it was, it was a cool place to stop by. Let's put it this way. It's a lot of history in there because I remember going there as a ten-year-old, uh, going with it. going with my dad to uh, to Love the it. same same shop location. Uh, I'm sure that, and I know they've added on to it in the back with obviously the engine room and uh, a lot more uh, on the property as well. But yeah, it's um, a lot there, and you can get anything you need. 
That's it. Comic Card Sales. And again, on you go online, right? Uh, uh, ComicCardSales.com. And, and I say that because one of the cool things was I, you know, I got a full tour. Steve Knight gave me a full tour of the place. And of course, Mark Dismore Sr. is in the back boxing stuff up, right? sending stuff out, the orders that have come in. And there's literally a huge pile. And I want to say it, it had to be 10 feet tall. So a 10 feet uh, high pile of boxes, right? All the boxes that they use on the racer's grill where the food and everything comes in, they bring all those boxes back back to the shop and that's what they ship stuff out in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's... Perfect. It's it's the easiest process of recycling there is, you know. That's exactly. I and mean, they said by the by the end of the year, like when they're all done, this thing, you know, it eventually winds its way down. There's no boxes left till the season gets going again, and the grill opens back up. But I thought that was again, what a perfect way to to, to reuse all the stuff that gets sent over to the racers grill at Newcastle. I thought it was yeah. Great. I've got I've gotten a number of 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 packages from Comet Car Sales over the decades with with strange. Uh, boxes and markings <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Well, Dave, let's talk about the race itself. Over 50% growth, uh, all told. Expanded uh, to reach, again, we know the USA, around the USA, but all over the globe as well. For me, one of the bigger things, too, was a lot of new teams coming into the program. New, new shops being part of the program. Well, not necessarily new new to this event because going from last year to this year, but there's a lot of returning teams as well, too. You know, you look at... Uh, Speed Concepts Racing. They they have a long history with the Rotax program when Mike Speed and Alex Speed were working under Ocala Grand Prix. Yep. So they've been part of the Rotax program a long time, and and they make it made a return. You look at Rollison Performance Group. Mike Rollison was a 2016 USA member, winning at the Grand Nationals on a Margay. So he's got a lot of experience because really the RPG program really started to, to to grow under the Rotax brand in 2007, 2008, when he's working with uh, drivers that were racing at the Grand Nationals back yep. then. So, Very true. Um, you know, you obviously have your 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 other ones, Forward Direction Motorsports, who's been with with the program for a number of years now. Um, and many others, um, you know, MPG Motorsports is, is jumped on this year as well, too. Uh, but Race Factory uh, and Race Liberante, he's been around the Rotax package as well, too, a lot. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, they there was obviously we talk about it over and over again. There was the past and, you know, there it, it left a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth who are part of the industry. Well, there's a lot of a lot of like we talk about the turnaround of, of Carter's. You know, three to four to five years is 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 a turnaround, and a lot of these people coming into the sport now don't know anything about that. So these these teams are looking at as a you know another avenue of getting drivers on the racetrack and getting a quality product in their hand. And I think that's one of the things that the Rotax has really uh, opened their eyes back open to uh, to a possibility for you know not only this year but beyond. Yeah, indeed, David. One of the things that we talked about coming in, and I know you were focusing on quite a bit coming into this event, was it's been 10 years since the Rotax Grand Finals. Their, their ultimate event was in the USA, and that was, of course, at NOLA Motorsports Park. We had a win uh, for the, for Team for team uh, USA with Juan Manuel Correa in the Junior Max category. But, yeah, it's been 10 years since that happened. And, and really, this you know all the work that J3 Competition has done over the last couple of years, the momentum is coming in the right direction once again. So, but wait, you know what? Maybe we have another grand finals back in the USA sometime. Yeah, we had we kind of highlighted that with you know talking about you know who is at the grand finals uh, leading up to this this weekend, um, and, then, and then when Ryan Norberg was announced as a, as a competitor, well, he was actually there ten years ago as a as a, a junior max driver, and that was really kind of the first year that Ryan Norberg was on kind of the national scene. 
and got introduced to him. And we did a little nice little side by side of photos from <laughs> 10 years ago to now. And, it, you know, obviously caught Ryan a little bit off guard because that was the photo we used. But it was the, it was the exact photo we used for his driver profile when we when we were previewing the event in 2013. So um, it's crazy to look at all the drivers that were part of it in 2013. And we'll we'll kind of dive more a little bit into it as we get closer to the grand finals, kind of focusing around the team USA and what it was like to, to experience that event and to, to actually witness Juan Manuel Carrera winning and, and where, you know, drivers have ended up since that time, you know, we'll probably do a little, you know, where are they now type scenario, get, get a couple quotes, get, get some insight as to who, where, what they're doing now. You know, a lot of them still involved in the sport or involved in racing at, 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 different levels. So it'll be fun to, to kind of break down uh, as we let it lead up into the December event. One of the storylines we looked at as soon as we rolled in there, because we kind of heard the, the rumblings, I went over and actually confirmed it. But Billy Cleveland, who's been a, an absolute legend in our sport for so many, many years, uh, and has been part of Team USA at, at one point, uh, and we've seen him run on nat- the national level racing, whether it was in Supercars USA and Rock, whatever it may be, the Challenge, uh, the challenge of the Americas. We heard that we heard the news that Billy was essentially saying this was his last run. Now, now I found out that it's really his last last national race. He's not going to do any more national racing. At least that that was that was the call. We'll probably see him at the club level, see him doing some regional racing. But this the, the concept was that this race, this this U.S. Trophy final, David was going to be his last major national event. Essentially, essentially last one he had to like probably fly a long way to get to. Yeah. You know, I'll believe it when I see it, <laughs> you know, he, he says it, it's a drug, the sport really, it's a drug. It's his one drug that, uh, that he's hooked on and, you know, it's hard to get away. Believe me, I'm, I'm the same way. My dad, my family is, you know, you are yeah. uh, a lot of us in the sport, a lot of the members in the industry, they're, they're hooked on it. And, and so I get it. He's getting older. It, I, I, I see it in my father, who's going to be um, 68 this year in November, I believe. Um, I'm thinking what year are we in? Uh, yeah, 68. So, uh, just a couple years older than Billy. So Billy's in a little bit better shape, but, um, (laughs) so I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, he's still in good shape. He's in racing shape and I think that helps. So, you know, I think as long as his health stays the way it is, you'll see him at the racetrack, like he says here and there, but you never know. There might be that one, you know, one off here. Or one yep. off there where he's gonna he's gonna show up just because he's got that itch and, and you know, we're all the same way. That's it. Well, listen, we're, we'll talk more about Billy because although he said it was going to be his last national run, he, he he won't have a national run. When you're going to find out, folks, if you, if you didn't watch the race, he's going to have an international run before it's all said and done this year, which is super cool. We'll talk about that a little bit later after this break. We're going to come back and finally dive into the race report. Won't be quite as long as the ones as we normally do because only five categories at the U.S. Trophy Final. When we get back, we'll dive into Senior Max and Masters Max. All over the karting world, everyone knows OTK is the gold standard for quality and performance. In the U.S., OTK USA is the source for all things OTK. From the legendary Toady Kart brand to the race-winning Cosmic and Xpree chassis, and now the new Red Speed and EOS brands, OTK quality is second to none. All five brands are winning races and championships across the country in national programs like the Rock Cup USA Florida Winter Tour and the Challenge of the Americas, the Scusa Pro Tour and Winter Series, and the Pro Kart Challenge, the United States Pro Kart Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. 
and OTK products are also front and center on the podium of club and regional races from coast to coast. To learn more about a specific product line, you can find the OTK USA dealer near you, whether it's Tony Kart, Cosmic, Xfree, Red Speed, or EOS, visit www.otkusa.com. Specific chassis territories are still available, so kart shops interested in adding a winning component to their product lineups can contact OTK USA directly. Top level production with a focus on a single form of motorsport, karting. This is MG Tires. MG Tires USA, underneath the Vantage Karting Group banner, is the official distributor of the MG Tires brand for the United States. MG Tires are the official spec tire in the US Pro Kart Series, Route 66 Sprint Series, Sunshine State Karting Challenge, and countless clubs across the country. No matter your compound preference, MG Tires USA has you covered. Whether it's the medium SH Red or the soft SM Yellow that you find at many karting events in the US, or the Super Soft Green SS and the Intermediate White IZ Optional Compounds, MG Tires USA has your winning set of rubber in stock. Indoor and outdoor rental facilities can now trust MG Tires with their solution to long-lasting and the best performance with three different compounds available through the RL line. For more info about MG Tires USA and its extensive list of dealers near you, check out their website at mgtiresusa.com. MG Tires, for the drivers. CRG is one of the most iconic brands in karting, and we're primed and ready for the 2022 season with new material and a never-ending focus on winning. CRG Nordam is the North American distributor for all CRG products. Based outside of Houston, Texas, CRG Nordam supports CRG dealers across the continent, reaching every corner of North America. The CRG KT5 is our new chassis for tag and shifter racing, and it's been designed specifically for the U.S. market. The KT5 features 30mm construction with a 32mm front loop to increase front grip. CRG's new Ven 13 brake system is cutting-edge technology with a master cylinder that allows for pressure regulation within the system. Drivers can customize brake pressure to their own requirements to improve feel and to avoid brake lockup. The cart is finished with new KG 507-508 bodywork that has refined aerodynamics and reduced weight. For cadet drivers, the 2022 CRG Black Mirror is already logging positive results to start the new season. This chassis will be making big waves in 2022. Longtime CRG drivers will be happy to know that the CRG Road Rebel, the standard in quality and performance, is still available. With Force Cycle Racing enjoying consistent growth in North America, CRG's FS4 chassis is the ideal choice for racers in Briggs and Stratton competition. From pure racing to karting entertainment, many tracks, both indoor and outdoor, have made the switch to the CRG Centurion rental cart line. Five different models, for both gas-powered or electric engines can fit any track's needs for a new rental cart fleet. CRG Nordam has a full inventory of rental carts available for new and existing facilities. For more information on the CRG product line, head to www.cartcrg.com and to inquire about a North American dealer near you, please email us at info at 
nordam.com. Welcome back to episode 118 of our EKN Debrief. While we uh, discuss the most recent event this past weekend at Newcastle Motorsports Park for the U.S. Trophy Final for the Race Road Tax Program. This race report, as we dive into, presented by Sodi Racing USA. It's a multi-time world champion, and it's a Supercarts USA Super Nationals winner. It is Sodi Kart. And starting in 2023, the Sodi Kart brand has found a new home here in the United States. Sodi Racing USA is the new exclusive importer of the Sodi Kart chassis line under the karting distribution banner. The French manufacturer Sodi Kart is a leader within the karting industry, offering a wide range of products and services. The Sodi Racing chassis offers product in classes from mini karts to KZ, all based on years of development in championship seasons around the world. Visit Sodi-Racing-USA.com to learn more about the Sodi Racing chassis at call 954-634-5111 to become part of the Sodi Racing USA dealer network today. Sodi Kart, the world leader in the karting industry. All right, David, let's go into the uh, Senior Max category. A event high 36 drivers in the field, absolutely packed. The racing was great throughout the entire weekend, but the one driver came out of the gate swinging from the very get-go was the defending race winner of the event, Oliver Hudson. Yeah, Mr. Rotax, a winner at the 2013 Rotax Grand Finals at NOLA Motorsports Park as a member of Team UK. Uh, Oliver put down a 103.725, and it's strange to look at this, but it was uh, nearly half a second quicker than the lap time put in at the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Summer Nationals. So uh, just a little bit of comparison to show kind of the speed. And it, it's so strange watching the Senior Max. Um, it you know, you, you obviously you go to Newcastle, drafting is a big part of it. So going down to I-70 and coming back into the scoreboard corner, man, there was a lot of movement and a lot of shakeups and a lot of passing going on in those two sections and all the heat races, including up front, where Ernesto Rivera, Ryan, Ryan Norber were put, taking it to Oliver Hodgson. And David, obviously one of the big things for the extra speed is the fact that the Mojo tires uh, they're, they're sticky, right? We, we, we talked about that. It, it, the rubber went down. We haven't seen much rubber down at Newcastle yeah. in many years. Those Mojo tires are sticky, not much sidewall. The uh, the racing was good. People were really enjoying being on some sticky tires. Yeah, no, you go you, walking the racetrack to take photos. You can definitely tell. You could even see it. It was a lot darker, a blacker line getting laid down a lot more marbles in the in the runoff area so it was it certainly is a different compound from what we've been using all season long uh at a number of events throughout the year but uh but yeah up front rivera making his senior debut we've seen him dominate the junior ranks all season long uh was 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 on point uh winning both the first heat and the third heat able to get ahead of Hodgson and Norberg. And then in the second heat, it was actually Hodgson taking a big victory there as a little bit of fighting uh, allowed him to get away. He finished ahead of Norberg and Frankie Mossman, which set up uh, top five going into the pre-final Sunday morning with Oliver Hodgson and Ernesto Rivera on the front row. Ryan Norberg and Diego Ramos, who was one of the quick drivers uh, all weekend long, sitting in the second row with Dalton Haynes, one of the stories going into Sunday as he had an issue of flat tire and qualifying, worked his way forward in all the heat races, uh, ended up qualifying 18th, finished 5th, 7th, and 5th to start 5th in the pre-final. Yeah, a couple of cool storylines from the get-go. Cooper Eau Claire qualified 2nd, so it was an all 
J3 competition comp cart front row, essentially the teacher and the student on the front row. Haynes, as you said, such a great story. An issue with the, um, I can't think of it right now. Tire. But no, the beadlock. It was the beadlock on the yes. tire. It wasn't actually like a, it wasn't a tire issue. The beadlock backed out and, and they lost the air in that tire. And like you said, put him behind the eight ball, but he was an absolute monster. Haynes was in his uh, first weekend running with the race lab crew on a TB cart chassis. wait. Let's what? let's let's re let's rephrase this. First weekend with Race Lab. You keep going, yeah. yeah first okay. first weekend aboard a TV cart. First weekend driving a Rotax engine. First weekend on the Mojo tire. So a I lot gonna, of firsts. I was going to get Dalton to Haynes. that, David. Okay, I was, sorry. I, I was setting it up. Right. <laughs> but listen, I, want, a, I wanted to say it. <laughs> a ton, a ton of firsts, and then yeah. it, and then he had to go past a bunch of people. Right. Yes. It's like think about how many guys he passed over the week because he he legit uh, he he legit passed people. It wasn't I moved forward because of some of the wrecks because there were some wrecks of opening corners. You mm, saw guys dropping not, the wheel out of two. Really, not that many in senior. That's I what mean, I'm saying. That, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. He actually had to pass people. Where in some of the other categories, guys moved up because there was a lot of chaos. Um, he literally so thir- started 18th and worked his way forward. It was impressive. I was gonna say 13, 13 spots, 11 spots, and 13 spots yeah. in three races. Right. So anyway, as you said, he rolls off from the outside of road number two alongside Hodgson Norberg, of course, the driver out of the gate. But let's let's talk about how things kind of played out, because different from last year, those of you. So there was qualifying of three heat races on Saturday, pre-final and final on Sunday. They didn't run a pre-final last year. They added that in this year. That led anybody who had trouble potentially in the uh, in the heat races to work their way back forward a bit. Yeah. And so Norberg or I shouldn't say. Everybody was in the hunt in this pre-final. It was probably one of the greatest races we have seen all season long. It was good. (laughs) At first, it was a couple drivers up front, but as they continue to change it up and mix it up, more drivers caught them, and then more drivers caught them. And then drivers like uh, Chase Jones and Race Race Liberani started, what, back in 21st, like moved his way up. Like I want to say it was probably 11 drivers uh, if not more, as they as they cross the line in the last lap, Norberg goes from fourth to second on the outside of scoreboard corner. Yep. Gets around both, uh, I believe Ramos or no, it was Haynes and Hodgson, and then in the right hand kink, uh, heading towards uh, cell tower corner, he made a move on Mossman that just completely caught him off guard, and that was the winning move, and it put uh, put Norberg on the front row alongside Mossman. Cody Hodgson, or sorry, Cody Hodgson, <laughs> Oliver Hodgson and, <laughs> and Dalton Haynes on the second row and Diego Ramos uh, starting from P5. But as we said earlier, it was rain conditions that uh, ended many and went into the start of the senior final. So essentially, uh, you know, the obviously it was going to be the, the driver reductions. Drivers were going to push out. We're going to do, you know, Xander Clements on car chase. It was going to do full driver deductions, chat with the guys. We had a, a good half hour bit set up to kind of launch things for senior uh, as we'll get to when we, when we roll into Minimax, rain finally started to come through. Last handful of laps of that category, the rain was coming. The track was wet, but it, the rain was didn't continue to team down. That was the thing that made things so odd. So everybody pushed out onto the front straightaway. They had, of course, they had sm- everybody really had slicks on still, or some maybe a couple of guys had the reins on, but everybody brought both sets because essentially what happened was we did the full driver introductions, and then immediately then we gave them a ten minute window. And nobody really even dove at it. Even and Ryan Norberg said this to uh, to, to Xander in the broadcast. They're probably going to wait for five minutes because you had to find out what kind of weather was was the rain going to come back a bit because that the call was: do you go wet? Do you go with wets, or do you roll the dice that it's going to dry up enough? And 
A couple of guys went with wets. That was not the call. Yeah, Chase Jones being one of them. He started, I don't have the prefrontal, but he, he was, was top I, 10. Seventh, seventh, seventh I think. Yeah. yeah, seventh or eight. And, seventh, I think. Yeah, because he was on the inside as they made it into turn one. And he actually led uh, going into scoreboard corner. So he went from seventh to first through that first corner. Because again, a lot of little bit of chaos with the dampness of the racetrack. Because again, I'll, I'll, it's, it was very similar to my experience at the Cup Cart Grand Nationals where you roll out on the racetrack. You already have the reins on, but the track's drying quickly. And so it was still a damp track, but you knew after probably, what, three to four laps, it was going to dry out. Well, it didn't take that long no, before, yeah. before, the dry before the dry line really started to form. So Jones led the opening lap, and then from there just continued to roll backwards uh, on the wet rubber mojo tires. So, uh, But that allowed a little bit of shakeup, along with Diego Ramos getting spun around from P5. Uh, in the right in front of everybody there, he actually fell back to, I want to say 21st by the time they completed the opening lap. Uh, and then, so that put race Liberante and Oliver, Oliver Hodgson up front as the two leaders. Yeah. Hodgson made a big move early and like, again, even in the wet, he was so good. We expect yes. that. And he said that I I'm, I'm, I'm from England. He's a British driver because mm -hmm. I've got lots of time racing in the rain. I'm very comfortable in the rain. He was just comfortable all weekend to be real. But he was, but he was very comfortable in the rain. He went right after uh, Chase Jones pretty early. Even in, in the when I figured Jones would still, because I, I mentioned the broadcast, Jones needs to get away by thirty seconds over the first bunch of laps. But it wasn't wet near enough, and Hodgson no. immediately went after him. Uh, yeah. Like you said, uh, Race Liberanti was able to get up super quick into the into the fight. Jones, uh, you know, dropped by early, but then things started to get get interesting. Even though Hodgson was strong. Uh, we watched uh, Ernesto Rivera come in. What a, what a weekend for the rookie uh, as a senior. Yeah, he just put in a really solid pace on the new Mojo tires. Uh, you know, just obviously didn't quite have the grip level that he needed early in the in the session or in the, in the main event. But uh, once once he got a little bit comfortable, he started picking off drivers one by one, got in his second, and was really running about the same race pace as yeah. uh, as Oliver, but just wasn't able to close in any closer. Uh, than what he was, which was about one to two seconds, give or take the lap. So the the focus then kind of became the battle for third and fourth. Remember, we were also watching the tickets because there were four tickets up for up for grabs. Uh, two of the tickets were going to be for open tickets for open. Anybody could win those tickets, and there were the reserve tickets for drivers who ran in the Trophy East or Trophy West series. So they kind of went back and forth depending on who was going to grab those tickets and where the drivers were on the racetrack. If a reserve driver grabbed an open ticket, finishing first it would have changed things in the back. But the bottom line is, is that the battle then became a great fight, really good fight for third spot between Dalton Haynes and Aiden Fox. Fox, like Haynes, had an issue in qualifying with a tire, kind of struggled his way through the uh, the pre-finals, I mean, the heat races in the pre-final. But once he put fresh rubber on, Fox was able to come back to life and was right there in the middle of a great battle for third. Yeah, he started the pre-final ninth, finished there. And like you said, those two kind of went at it and, you know, talking to them after at the scale line, you know, they just they just weren't quite geared bright for the conditions. You know, Haynes thought he had Fox in certain spots and Fox had him in certain spots and they weren't able to stay with Rivera. So that was kind of the biggest problem. So it left them just fighting for themselves uh, for that third spot on the podium. Ended up being Dalton scoring that position as Hodgson and Rivera went one, two. But uh, so really a great breakthrough performance for Dalton Haynes aboard uh, making his debut with Race Lab and TV Cart. 
Uh, Diego Ramos, Diego Ramos, rather, we talked about the fact that he was essentially, if you watch the broadcast, they come out of turn two, all of a sudden he's fully sideways. Uh, completely right? sideways. Completely, yep. completely sideways. Like, oh, and at a stop. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not good. Uh, nope. as, he, as David said, went back to 25th, but he was setting purple laps all the way up to the field. He was actually the fastest driver on the racetrack for a majority of the time, was just banging out purples. And ended up actually, David, ended up finishing P5, right? Yeah, across the line in fifth. Unfortunately, a pushback bumper yeah. penalty dropped him uh, back to the tenth. Sorry, tenth position. Um, but fast lap of the race went to eleventh place finisher Frankie Motsman. He was quick. Uh, just got kind of shuffled back a little bit there, and some of the fighting that was uh, going on outside the top five uh, that included Brian Norberg, Cooper O'Claire, Ian Quinn, Timothy Pernard, and uh, of course Mossman himself. So the tickets went to Ernesto Rivera because uh, first and foremost, Oliver Hodgson already has his ticket punched to the grand final. So he did not even, he wasn't really even in the conversation in terms of tickets. So the open tickets went to Rivera and Haynes. Uh, Rivera will run senior max. Haynes with the second ticket going to run DD2. Cooper Eau Claire, who finished inside the top 10, I believe, ends up seventh. With, yep. seventh with the senior reserve ticket for, for reserve drivers. And then Liberante, who ran the uh, the Trophy Series West, able to, after a tough start to the weekend, battled his way through, as we talked about, and, and comes away with the DD2 ticket as well. Yeah, held on to the 12th position. Uh, just, you know, was racing Hodgson. Just didn't quite, he lost, had no pace. Uh, kind of said uh, something in the engine, just it just wasn't running right. I mean, he was almost a second off the pace. Uh, compared to the leaders at the end of the race. So uh, not exactly where he wanted to be, but did finish one spot ahead of Macy Williams, who was another driver on the reserve list. So he finished uh, second in the reserve list drivers and uh, able to race the DD2 category at the Rotex Grand Finals. Yeah, all told, just some amazing racing, very high-end racing, and also very aggressive, very, uh, very intense, let's put it that way. Uh, we mentioned how good that pre-final was. My, my hands were literally shaking. I was so fired up of that uh, pre-final battle. We had to cap off the morning show uh, on Car Chaser. It was a wild one for sure. Uh, let's go to Masters Max right now. 12 drivers in total. The late entry was Ben Cooper, three-time grand finals winner. Ben kind of motivated. I think he's got he's got a number of guys that are his, his students that he coaches at his driving academy who are going to the grand finals. And I think the mindset was, hey, listen, I'd love to be able to go with them, be able to drive with them there as well, to be able to kind of help them out on different levels. Uh, So he was a late entry coming in with Rawlison Performance Group. From the very get-go, David, he was the guy to beat. Yeah, it was funny. In in an interview that I had with him at the end of the weekend, he he had this date wrong. He thought this event was on a different weekend, so he didn't think it was going to make it uh, into his schedule. Uh, Rollison kept asking him, how can I get you there? You know, and, and Rollison was able to put the pieces together and Ben realized it was, and he had it on the wrong date so he wow. could make it down. So, uh, essentially, you know, just recently able to work things out. And as you said, wants to go there, work with his drivers, but also have the ability to go and race as well too. And, and so, yeah, his late entry, everybody had the eyes on him throughout the weekend and certainly showed qualified P1 with a 104.671. And then was able to win all three heat races. But again, each heat race, he had a little bit of pressure. Uh, Laurentiu Mardan, last year's runner-up at the U.S. Trophy Final, was there both in the first heat and the third heat. And then it ended up being uh, a Mundy Lauer. Yeah, Mundy uh, Lawyer. Yeah. From from Peru that, uh, that put a little bit of a challenge in heat two as well. So everybody kind of keeping pace with him, uh, you know, as we got through the heat races. Because again, this kind of positions where you're going to be 
uh, in terms of the prefrontal. So it went Cooper, Mardan, John Bonanno moving up into the third spot in terms of points, and then Derek Wang fourth, and then Christopher Mann in fifth. So that's how they lined up for the prefinal. Uh, so let's then, let's, set, let the stage, let's set the stage. One open ticket, one reserve ticket. Cooper, of course, battling for the open ticket, as was Mardan and Mundy Lawyer. Bonanno, uh, Derek Wang already had a ticket from the Canadian final, so he, he really wasn't in ticket conversation. John Bonanno was kind of, David, throughout the weekend – was kind of the lead guy in terms of the reserve tickets, right? We knew that we knew that Billy Cleveland, Christopher Mann, they they both showed good speed, but it was John Bonanno was kind of in the position really to, to, to make the you know, make the, the the run after the reserve ticket. Yeah, at that point, because you know you looked at qualifying. Yeah, Bonanno was second, mm-hmm. um, but you know throughout the racing, you know you had Mann and and Cleveland that were kind of keeping pace with him. Cleveland had one bad, a uh, really bad heat, so it kind of put him back. But they're all kind of right together. As you know, it was really Cooper up front. Somebody challenged him, and then it was kind of everybody else mixed in there uh, in a in a in a group right there. So, uh, so yeah, with with um, Cooper and Lawyer on the front row, Bonanno starting uh, in the second row with Derek Wang. It kind of, like you said, put Bonanno in the driver's seat for that reserve ticket. Yeah. So essentially what happened, Cooper finally able to pull away, right? So he's pulling away. Uh, we knew the battle, you know, Derek Wang kind of jumped up there. He was, he was running pretty good, as was Mardan. They were, they were hammering down. So our focus in the broadcast, of course, was who was going to grab that reserve ticket. And at one point, I want to say, it was Bonanno, Mann, and Cleveland all running nose to tail. Billy had started further back. He was able to get his way up into the fight. So the three guys going after the reserve ticket are nose to tail. And uh, I can't remember what lap it was, but they they were really rolling through the kink turn eight into what is the cell tower corner, the right-hand hairpin, turn number nine. Mann makes a move to the inside. He gets contact in the side with, with Bonanno. Bonanno was like 45 degrees up. I'm surprised. Close to going over on, from the contact. He comes back down. Of course, man's got to check up, and boom, Billy Cleveland able to keep it down to the inside. He emerges from turn number nine, David, with the position, and at that point, the provisional reserve ticket. Yeah, at that point, but uh, Christopher Mann kept the foot in it and kept going, ran down Cleveland, and actually, uh, it was them two battling on the last lap for this position uh, for the provisional spot. I think it was scoreboard corner where Cleveland put it inside and just essentially just owned the apex and man had nothing, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't respond, held it on the outside a little bit too long. And, and Cleveland kind of just put in a, a kind of a textbook move. There's a little bit of contact, but you got to expect that uh, in a last lap situation like that. But, uh, but Cleveland was able to come away with the position and uh, ended up uh, crossing the line in what was a fifth spot. Because uh, Monday Lawyer was actually fourth across the line. He was one of those challengers early on in the race. He actually crossed the line at fourth, but a position uh, penalty for him dropped him or jumpstart position. Yeah. And it was a big one out of the top five. <laughs> Henry, yeah. and I ta- Henry and I talked about, we came up the line all of a sudden he is like rocketing. We're like, where are you going? And uh, yeah, he, so he led into turn one and two for the first time and, uh, and got the penalized uh, the penalty for the jumpstart. And not surprisingly, Chris Mann, got the penalty from P6 for the contact that he had with Bonanno. Yeah. So, this, you know, depending on, you know, what happened between, between Cleveland and man on that last lap, there was going to be a penalty on man. So that was going to give Cleveland or somebody else uh, that ticket this time. And it ended up being Cleveland. He'll join uh, Ben Cooper, Cooper, obviously team Canada, but uh, Billy Cleveland 
will be Team USA, both racing in the DD2 Master category. And they'll be joined by Derek Wang, Captain America, making his 12th start at the Road Tax Grand Finals, where he got his ticket from the Canada Final, but finished second here at the U.S. Trophy Final. And how good is that for Billy Cleveland? I'm sorry, 66 years of age. And just here he is trying to go out saying, you know, wants to go out on a high. And like I had said before in the, in the broadcast here, in the, in the podcast, uh, you know, it was going to be his last national and maybe it still will be, but he still has one international race to run. He'll be going to Bahrain in December. I just, I think that's just such a fantastic story. We're, we're definitely going to do some, some content on, on Billy between now and then. Yeah, it'll be his second time there. Uh, I was looking back to figure out when the last time was. I thought I wrote it down. Um, I want to say it was 16 or 17 that he was last. Yeah, there, but, I want to uh, say, uh, Henry said it was, it was, it was it at Sarno, I think whatever your Sarno was. Give me a second here. I had, I had forgot to open up the, uh, that file. Um, you, you, so, so folks, it was so, 2017, 2017. Go. All right. There you go. I was just going to go through the, through the list. Yeah. So, so anyways, uh, just to say Cooper, Cooper does win by 2.3 seconds. Derek Wang in second, Marday in third, Cleveland fourth. And we'll give a shout out to Randy Nelson coming home in the fifth position. Um, yeah. So there you go. 2007, but he's going back. Billy Cleveland. Yeah. What a what, 2017. What a, what a great opportunity for Billy Cleveland to, to kind of cap off this chapter of, of his racing career. It is. Yeah. And, and it'll be obvious, you know, Henry knows the story and he'll be on the mic. So he'll be able to pump Billy up all weekend long, all week long while they're in Bahrain. And, uh, you know, so hopefully we'll be able to see him get some some television coverage and and see how he does. And again, I think I think making the mains a big one. He didn't make it lat, that year uh, in 2017 in Portugal. So we'll uh, we'll be cheering for him to make the main event this year around. All right, another break in the action. When we get back, we'll wrap things up for the race report presented by Sodi Racing USA, Junior Mini and Micromax up next. Check out any major national karting event and what's the common thread? Speed Concepts Racing. Up front, in every class, every weekend. The Speed family has been at the forefront of American karting for over 25 years. And Speed Concepts Racing is the sole dedication of Father Mike Speed and his multi-time championship winning son, Alex Speed. This program is all about passion for the sport and a dedication to winning. They know how to get it done. If you're a senior driver ready to put yourself amongst the best in the country, Speed Concepts Racing is the program for you. We can win the big races. You just need to be in the seat. The Speed's program has delivered time over time in the junior classes as well, helping to elevate a long list of young drivers from mid-pack to potential race winners. Speed Concepts Racing has the perfect equation of coaching, driver development, and technical knowledge to elevate your program. Arrive and drive opportunities are available for the remainder of the 2023 season, and we're locking in seats for 2024 as well. If you're ready to take your career to the next level, contact Speed Concepts Racing through email at speedconceptsracing at gmail.com. Motor mounts. They keep your engine attached to your chassis, right? The answer is, they're much more important than that. Your motor mount is critical in transferring 100% of the power from your engine through to your tires and the racetrack. You need this to get on the podium each and every time you race. Odenthal Racing Products is here for you, providing the best motor mounts on the karting market today, all designed to make sure you're using all the horsepower you pay for. 
Odenthal Racing Products is a family-owned and operated business with decades of karting experience in providing products with unmatched quality and value for our racing community. The Pro Series mount for two cycle engines, which is available in zero, five, and eight degree inclinations, provides a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a minimum without adding too much weight to your setup. The four cycle easy set system is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, our ORP wedge clamps get the job done. And they feature a number of design updates to provide a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28mm to 32mm in both standard and Euro style sizes. And now, Odenthal has also revolutionized the karting industry with its new EasyGP camera mounting system. Designed to mount anywhere on your chassis with one or two cameras, the ORP EasyGP camera mount is your solution to capture that onboard winning moment. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, proudly made in the USA. Hey there, my name is Dion Vomoltka and I grew up karting and was fortunate enough to one day achieve my dream of becoming a professional race car driver. Looking back at my career, the most fun I had was in karting, but it was also one of the most challenging times in my career too. I often found myself craving expert guidance from someone who had been there before, that had done it and knew the right path forward, but it just wasn't available. And that's why I created Blaze Coaching. It's a platform designed to ensure every driver has the chance to learn from the best, from those who have faced the challenges and know what it takes to become a champion in our sport. Just imagine being coached by 2023 Indy 500 winner Joseph Newgarden, or Indy 500 front-wheel qualifier Spencer Piggott, or how about Acura factory driver Ricky Taylor? They're all here as coaches on Blaze, ready to help you along your path. It's designed to meet you where you are, so no matter what your experience level is, where you race, what you race, or what your goals are, your Blaze coach is there to help. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit blaze.io backslash carding today. That's B-L-A-Y-Z-E dot I-O backslash carding. Welcome back to episode 118 of our EKN Debrief as we give you the race report of this past weekend's U.S. Trophy Final at Newcastle Motorsports Park. A fantastic weekend, 110 entries all told, 22 average per category, and we expect that growth to continue. Double the entries in this junior max class from 16 up to 32 here in 2023. And out of the gate, Diego Ardiles was the driver who qualified on the pole in the Rawls Performance Group machine, a 105.394. Diego pretty aggressive throughout the entire weekend. Ty Fisher, uh, one of the two drivers for for, uh, for Race Lab on the TB Carts. Ty was second. Wesley Gunder, Gundler rather, was third in qualifying. That's a name you would be talking about for the rest of the weekend. Wesley Gundler. Was a was really the driver to beat for, for for much of the weekend. Yeah, we talked about him being the U.S. Trophy East champion, but we really didn't have much information about him. And he certainly introduced himself this weekend. No doubt, uh, was able to drive up to the win in both Heat One and Heat Three, so that put him uh, in the driver's seat and at the top of the points order uh, ahead of Diego Ardiles, who finished second, second, and let me pull up the sheet here, fourth. Uh, was his other heat result. Uh, Turner Brown, another driver 
kind of making that progression up the junior ranks. We he moved into the 125 side of things. Uh, middle of the season's already put in a couple race wins. Yeah. Uh, he was able to win that second heat race ahead of Ardiles. Uh, Jackson Wolney, another driver we continue to talk about uh, throughout the year. He was able to put in two top three finishes along with Nathan Dupuy, the Canadian, uh, putting in two top three finishes. So it was a lot of different names in, in this in this hunt. And then when you look at the points after all the heat races was done, it was Gunler and Ardiles, uh, Nathan Dupuy and Nick Eggleston, who actually qualified seventh and just kind of hung around there, but uh, you know was able to put himself fourth in the points. And then Simon Bulbarella. Tough. There we go. Now let's let's add a little bit of an asterisk to this because one of the guys we're not talking about the top five, although he did win a heat race, was Turner Brown, and the reason for that was there was a massive uh, pileup kind of wreck of the opening corners of heat race number one, and Brown literally rode off a chassis. The Mm -hmm. bodywork was off the thing. It was that thing was tore up. He ended up retiring. They had to build a new go kart to come back out. So from the get go, Brown was behind the eight ball, but he would def- most definitely come back. Would he not, David? Eventually finishing second in the prefinal. Yeah, started the prefinal in ninth, so he had a, a win in the second heat and a P five in the third yeah, heat. So that certainly helped uh, with that DNF in the opening moto. But uh, yeah, a drive up to second, right there behind uh, Wesley Gundler. So uh, and it was a it was a good battle battle too because I believe Gundler took the win. Uh, on the last lap because Brown was leading it in the last couple of laps there. So, so you had Gunler and Brown on the front row for the main event, Ardiles and Bull Barra, Bull, I can never say his name. Bull Barilla. Bull Barilla. Yep. There you go. It's too many B's for me. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then Eggleston from P5, who is the West Series champion. So uh, a pretty solid top five going into the main event. Yeah, so Nick Eggleston, let's just throw this out there. He is one of the drivers who was a reserve driver, having run the Trophy Series West. So not the like, champion. Again, yeah. yeah, the champion, and, and indeed the champion. Just the fact that he ran the series gave him the eligibility, but wasn't along the with Gunler, well, along with Gunler on the East. Exactly that. Yes. So the interesting thing, we come into the main event, and it the the main event was fantastic. Such a great lead pack at the, at the front. Yeah, you had Ardila's leading. You had Turner Brown leading. You had Nick Eggleston leading. Uh, Gundler was there Eggle, and um, uh, uh, Woolney. So that was essentially your top five drivers. They were able to kind of break away from the rest of the pack. Uh, a little bit of contact here and there, kind of shuffle things up. But eventually, as we got towards the end of the race, I mean, Wesley Gundler was was the guy that was leading the way and, uh, you know, kind of just bought his time and made, you know, took advantage of openings that were there. And, you know, by lap, what was it? Lap uh, 18 or sorry, 13 was into the lead. And let's just say that uh, the main event was like, was a main event trying to go after tickets to the grand finals. Like these guys were going at each other. There was passes, passes in two, four, a lot of guys making the move over the hill at green corner, right? The left-hander diving in there, turn number six. We saw passes down the hill to seven, of course, tons of them under the braking to the inside of nine. It was, it really was some pretty epic racing. These guys going at it hardcore, but as you said, Gundler able to come away with the win. Eggleston ends up finishing in second over Wolney, Brown, and Ardiles. Gundler, of course, with the victory, gets the open ticket. And Nick's Eggleston finishing in second, the lead reserve driver behind Gundler, because Gundler, of course, then by winning the, the open ticket, kind of passes the reserve ticket down. And good job for Nick's Eggleston. So very cool to see, David, like you said, the East and the West Coast champions getting those tickets. 
Yeah, yeah, I think there was a little bit of contact between Brown and Ardila as that kind of helped Gundler in there looking back at the at the lap chart now. So uh, again, like you said, it was pretty heavy racing up front. You know, Brown going for the open ticket, Wolney going for the open ticket, Ardila is going for the open ticket. So Gundler and Eggleston, they were just kind of sitting back and letting, letting a little bit of this happen and uh, were able to take advantage as now we have the two champions uh, from the, the one from the West, one from the East, both going to represent uh, Team USA in the Junior Max division. Yeah, super cool. Let's go to Minimax right now. 17 entries in total in qualifying. We would have the same kind of look coming to the green for all three heat races, all MPG Motorsports, as Oliver Warner, a British driver who came over to run with MPG, qualified on the pole. Gage Korn, last year's winner alongside him, P2. So all MPG up front. Marco Samet was in the fight as well. Fionn She was in there. But really one of the guys that stepped things up, David, after Warner and Korn went 1-2 in the first heat race, was Isaac Malkin. He was an absolute beast. I think he finished fourth in the first heat race, but Correct. he he dominated the, the second two. Yeah, was able to dominate the second two and get away from the field uh, and able to outgun Corn in the second heat race and then Fion Shi in the third heat race uh, as the, those two swap positions in those two races. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Malkit was... It, you know, as we wrapped up Saturday, we talked to him in our in our ECAN live debrief live. Uh, he was the driver to beat going into Sunday as he came away with the points lead ahead of Corn and Warner with Fion Shi and Marco Samut uh, Samit in the uh, in the fifth spot going uh, from the prefinal. Uh, Lasha Pal and Quinto were also in the uh, the, the scrap and would find themselves uh, moving their way up into at least the top seven when it came to the pre-final. If you look at the results, the pre-final shows Malkit as the winner over Lasha Pal and Samet, but the two drivers across the line were actually Corn and Warner. Uh, looked like we were going to have a, a, once again an MPG front row for the main event, but David, they had some trouble with rear width coming across the line. Both those drivers DQ'd from the pre-final, which set up yet another crazy opening lap and two laps in the main event. Yes, it did. You know, starting back in the uh, 15th and 16th position were Corn and Warner. And again, that was kind of the start of the precipitation. I, 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 if I go back to my text messages, to I me, think I was yeah. starting to send you um, the rain's coming. It's just a matter of when. I think it was Masters Max when we saw looking at the radar. I was like, it was, it's going to come. And so as they got the green flag, it looked like it was going to start to to rain a little bit, but it was just maybe a couple sprinkles here and there. But for 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 whatever reason, Warner and Corn just took advantage of the field right away. I think Warner got into the seventh spot by the end of the opening lap. Yeah. And then was leading after lap two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think into, into turn four, I think, to be honest with you, he was he was a he was a machine working his way back to the front. It was amazing. Oh, no. Yeah, it was good. So eventually it all kind of worked itself out because Warner and Korn were sitting there one, two as Korn finally got himself up into the second spot. Uh, and so they're running one, two, uh, the, the rest, the whole rest of the field was essentially behind them. Not really, nobody's really making any moves because as they get up to the front, that's when the weather carts starts kind of playing a little bit more tricks on us and getting a little bit damper, a little bit damper. Well, I want to say around lap seven or eight, it got a little bit even more damper and a little bit more wet. And, and then guys start now driving the wet line because they're on dry tires. So you, you kind of see that uh, a couple of guys spin in scoreboard corner as they're, as they're putting down the power a little bit too much. Uh, I want to say that, and then there was an incident uh, by the sc uh, score, uh, not score, 
by the scale house. I, th- I think uh, it was, I think it was Marco Samut that went off or Sam. I keep saying it. Was it was, um, I can tell you the names. And Bru- it was Bruschi. Ryan Gondor, uh, Felicione Bruschini, Bruschi, Bruschi, Bruschi. Yeah. 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 And then Samet were the, were the yeah. three drivers off at that corner. Okay. Um, I'm not sure which one of them was, but it looked like they needed medical assistance. I know after all was said and done there, they eventually medical came over there. But, um, as that was going on, the race was still going, the drivers were cleared off the racetrack. Uh, I would ha- happen to just gotten on the racetrack, uh, to start taking photos after, after doing some, the, uh, the, um, social media stuff. And, I think they were coming around to complete lap 10, which was what, maybe two minutes left to go. It, was, their, it, it, their... it would no, it would have been, it would have been two laps to go. We were literally waiting for it. Like we expect here they come. It's we, they, cause it's because what Rotax does is they do a time amount. And then at once that time is done, then two laps after that, they had run out of time and they, it should have been two laps to go coming around the line. They come back and they're throwing double checker at the line. Correct. Henry and I were just, we're what's happening right now. We essentially went two laps early, so you can continue. Yeah. So it went two laps early, uh, a lot of confusion on the racetrack. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking they're for myself on the racetrack. I'm thinking they're calling it for weather. I make my, my way over to the scale house. Um, and once the carts cleared the racetrack, they had brought medical over. Um, so there's a lot of confusion on the whole situation. Essentially, from my point of view, is they meant to call a red flag, but they meant to call red and checkered. The, the, the head flag man threw checkered only. Uh, and so everybody assumed the race was called early for weather. Well, officials are saying they were trying to call red because of the incident and they had to get medical over to the to the to the area of a scene where a driver was complaining about an injury. So that's that's my undertaking of how that kind of unfolded. Rob, would you would you agree on that assessment? That's how things. Yes, that that's that, that the, the intent behind the calls was indeed that. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, two double checkered flags were waved. No red flags were waved. There was one light system being utilized that had red on it. Well, it's kind of hard to say. Well, the track's going red with that one red light when nobody else is throwing red flag anywhere else around the racetrack. So. Essentially, what officials ruled was it was supposed to be a red flag. So they reverted back a lap to which would have been lap nine completed rather than lap 10 when they got the double checker. And that was the way the final results were going to be declared. So that puts Warner as the winner, Corn second, Malkit third, Matteo Quinto was P4, Fianchi fifth. And by going back to lap nine, of course, Warner and Corn getting the open tickets that put Matteo Quinto as the top reserve driver in the final final results. Correct, and because the way the, the the activity that happened between lap nine and lap ten that affected kind of essentially the reserve position, because if I recall correctly, um, Malka or not Malka, um, Quinto was involved in a in a spin and and contact at the scoreboard corner on lap nine. And thus, Fianchi actually finished ahead of him, who was part of the uh, reserve list ticket drivers. Uh, because as I had it, it was Corn finishing first, Warner second, um, Max McCarum. Yeah, so Max Max McCarum would have had the reserve ticket. ticket okay. But, but he would have had the reserve ticket, but he had a pushback bumper. Gotcha. Okay. 
Yeah. I didn't know about that because I was just doing off as they cross the line, yeah. as we typically do with our unofficial lineup. Malkit was fourth. Uh, Le-, Le Chappelle was fifth. Theon she sixth. So as you said, if Max got a pushback bumper penalty, probably would have moved Theon she into that position. But as you said, they, they reverted back to lap nine, which put Quinso in uh, the position in top in the fourth position, which put him ahead of Theon she and uh, taking him to Bahrain as part of Team USA. It was messy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's happened in all programs all over the country, all over the world. Uh, You know, again, we're all human. We all make mistakes. That's the way it is. I mean, race directors are a very, very tough tough situation to be in. Um, But, yeah, from my personal take, it should never have been reverted back because there was no red flag displayed, double checkers means the end of the race we race to that that point and even though it's called early it should have been the results on the checkered flag because the checkered flag was shown so um again a learning a learning opportunity if 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 you have any concerns you got to throw red don't even throw worry about the checker because you can always say after a red flag the race is called and this is how we are agreed Um, so that's just you know one so of the I, things. I, I, I under this, I, yeah, I understanding of trying to make a double decision at the same time, right? It was kind of be like, well, we're Correct. going red, we're going red. The rain's coming. We're definitely not going to restart this race. So just go red and checker. But the it, fact is, the guys were already coming through 13, 14, or fifteen. Right? They, they were in the last. It's not like it was happening when they were on the back part of the racetrack. You know, ra- what I mean? ra- they, they race- were. In, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. They, they, well, they weren't over in turn six or seven. Where right. where the, where the, even the the flagman's got all this time to figure it out. It was you know it's like okay rain's coming we need we need to get over here we're, we're going to call this red and checker. It was they were literally coming through thirteen, and that's when the call was made right. And there's and it just there was just not enough time for the flagman I think to really understand exactly what was happening get the get the get the call correctly done and that's in the end how it played out. Well, again, and just just to kind of continue with opinions that we do. Um, if there's an injury and the drivers are off the racetrack, the medical has the ability to go around the racetrack without interfering what's going on the racetrack to address the situation for, for that, for that. We've done it many, many other times because that's why we keep the ambulances off the actual circuit to be able to, uh, to assess situations that don't need them to be when they don't need to be on the racetrack themselves. So yeah. that's part of the situation, but also, you know, as you're a race director, you kind of have to, follow along with like doing a math proof, you know, if then, and then you follow it with what happens after that. Um, so you kind of have to follow that structure, you know, you throw the red first and then we'll, then we'll decide, okay, how do we, how do we continue on? Do we end the race? Do we continue on? You approach it that direction. If, even if it's an injury, if it's weather, no matter what it is, uh, always go red. Yeah. There's there's no, the only time you throw the checkered is when you have completed the actual distance of the race. Uh, that you are doing. So otherwise you, you should always go red. So that's just kind of things that, you know, have to be addressed when, when looking at an event like that or any event, um, because it's just, it's better to have that structure. Yep. So let's cap things off right now and dive into Micromax. Less uh, craziness there. Yeah, 13 drivers <laughs> in total in the Micro well. Cat. Well, 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 <laughs> yes. Until, until, the, until turn 15. Yeah. So let's nice and easy all the way to the last lap of the main event, the last corners of the main event, 13 drivers in the field. Lucas Palacio has won numerous championships on the season already. Kim's out of the gate uh, running in the micro max category. And really David, the bottom line was, was the driver to beat all weekend long. Yes. 
he was challenged by the likes of Tarango and Connor Lipka and De Janeiro. And there were guys that were in the middle of the fight with him, uh, Mulata mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so, but, but through the heat races, Palacio still went P1 in all three heat races, won the pre-final and uh, started the main event on the pole position. Yeah, if I recall, I think he led every heat race, every lap in the heat races. And it wasn't until the pre-final Maybe. that yep. uh, De Janeiro actually led for a couple laps. So, um, so, and but the thing about it too was is it was either one, it was one driver that would kind of break away with Palacio. Where when we got to the main event, it was five drivers nose to tail behind Palacio. You had um, De Janeiro, Lipka, uh, Tarango somehow got shuffled back. I think something happened to him in the pre-final that put him. Uh, in the back of the field uh, a little bit there. So uh, so you had him, you had Cam, uh, not, not Cam, I'm trying to pull up the names here real quick, uh, Holden Myers up there. Yeah, Holden Myers, um, he, he, the, two drivers, the two drivers that kind of jumped up into the fight who weren't there before were mm-hmm. Holden Myers and Sterling Mulata. Those were the two yes. drivers. They were kind of, they were further back outside the top two or three in the heats in the pre-final. Mm-hmm. Um, but boom, all of a sudden, in the main event, they were like they got a great start and were right in the right in the mix all race mm-hmm. long. Yeah, right? but it was still Palacio leading the way, and yep. it wasn't until essentially the last lap that anybody made an attack on Palacio, and it ended up uh, being Myers that was uh, that was the challenger. Yeah, indeed, uh, they was all over top of him, and we were waiting. We we, we kind of we, we talked about a possibility of where we were going to see last lap passes for tickets, right? Only one ticket available for the, uh, the, the micro max class. Cause there's only really one, one category over in Bahrain where they have just, you know, one driver from each nation there essentially. Um, so through 13, 14, 15, the last couple of corners around the tech barn at Newcastle, the right, the left and the right come in, of course, back to then a short start finish, the start, uh, the finish line rather is, is fairly close up coming out of the corners and in the end, uh, it looked it looked to me like Palacio had things locked up. And then right in the last minute, uh, Holden Myers threw it down the inside of 15, tried to see if he could make it happen, got into the side, essentially, you know, left uh, left front to like middle of the pod contact. Um, uh, Palacio straight off the racetrack, still on the throttle across the grass, but not across the timing loop. So he doesn't register. Myers comes across with the race win, but based on the vi- visuals afterwards, they, they ended up going back to Palacio. But at that point, a lot of stuff happened. We had some we had some penal- uh, some penalties roll out as well. So it, it was a wild finish for sure to the, to the to the first race of the weekend, the first main event of the weekend. It was it was the first main event of the weekend. So yeah, as you said, officials ruled uh, Palacio crossing the line first by uh, the visual. Um, so that put uh, him just ahead of of Myers. But unfortunately, because of the contact, officials put down a five-second penalty uh, for avoidable contact on that move in the last corner. Uh, so that dropped Myers from the second position down to P6 in the final tally. That move, Cam Becker, who came back from struggles in qualifying, uh, actually missed Tech. So uh, started all too three. Wide. He, was, it, was it too wide? No, just missed Tech. Just oh, did not he, go to he Tech. He just left. <laughs> <laughs> right, he didn't go to so tech. he had to start all the heat races from P13, uh, moved his way up to start the, the pre-final in eighth, ended up finishing uh, fifth yeah. in the pre-final. Yeah. So, and then eventually ended up finishing runner up for the, for the main event with fast lap of the race, no less. Yeah, no doubt. Mulata ended up finishing in the third spot. De Janeiro fourth and Connor Lipka rounding up the top five. Uh, Lucas Palacio adding to his 
uh, accolades for 2023. He will now represent Team USA at Bahrain, uh, heading over there as well. So it's been a really incredible season for Lucas Palacio, for sure. Let's wrap things up, folks. One more break in the action. When we get back, we'll wrap it all up. We'll look at the Constructor Championship, and we'll wrap it up as we always do with the EKN Trackside Live Race Calendar. The new face of competitive karting in the Pacific Northwest region is Race Lab. The full-service karting operation is located at the state-of-the-art Kartplex facility in Oliver, British Columbia, Canada, providing everything you need to hit the track or put yourself in a successful driver development program. Race Lab is the official North American distributor for the TB Kart chassis brand, providing the full range of models from Kid Kart to Shifter Kart. Villeneuve Racing Karts is their flagship product available only through Race Lab. The brand carries the name of Formula One champion and Indianapolis 500 winner Jacques Villeneuve with each model produced by TV Kart. Kartplex, the home of Race Lab, is situated on the grounds of the Area 27 Motorsports Park. From full arrive and drive TV Kart rentals to leagues and competition karting, the facility provides a new home to developing the future stars of motorsports all beginning at Cartplex with Race Lab. Follow Race Lab on social media on Facebook and Instagram or load up their website at www.theracelab.ca to learn more about TV Cart and Villeneuve Racing Carts. Race Lab. Race with us, win with us. Established in 1999, PSL Karting has become a powerhouse within the karting industry for North America and around the world. PSL Karting is your complete source for all Burrell Art products as the North American importer, providing this top quality product through both their expansive dealer network or through the pslkarting.com online store. Whatever you need is available 24-7 online, including safety gear, parts, components, and full karting packages. All three brands, Morel Art, Ricardo Kart, and Charles Leclerc Karts are in stock and ready to hit the track. Grab your winning chassis for any category by visiting pslkarting.com to find your nearest dealer. PSL Karting is always looking for interest in new dealers and teams to help create new business relationships. Drivers looking to take their talents to the next level can join the Burrell Art North America race team competing at all the major U.S. and Canadian events this season. When you're ready to win, go with PSL Karting. It all started in my parents' garage. That's the foundation for MPG Motorsports, which grew from a small home garage in Indiana into one of the top race teams and car shops in the industry. A true passion for motorsports runs deep in the DNA of MPG, which has developed strong connections within karting. Now based at the Whiteland Raceway Park in central Indiana, MPG Motorsports offers a wide range of opportunities through its race team while providing a full-service kart shop as an official dealer for the Kart Republic brand. The MPG Motorsports race team is led by ownership partner and karting champion Chase Jones and provides full trackside service and driver development. Be part of the MPG program at the USPKS, Stars Championship Series, and Route 66 Sprint Series events with arrive and drive opportunities available at those programs, as well as at the Whiteland Club races this season. A new 3,500 square foot shop is now open at the Whiteland Raceway Park in Whiteland, Indiana, and is the new home of MPG Motorsports. 
This new headquarters will provide local and regional racers with a full-service race shop that provides a wide range of parts and supplies to racers, including the full chassis line of the Kart Republic brand. For more, head to mpg-motorsports.com and follow us on social media. Let MPG Motorsports take your motorsports career in the direction of your choice. Welcome back. Time to cap off this edition of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. It was a tremendous weekend at the U.S. Trophy Final at Newcastle Motorsports Park. David and I really enjoyed our trip there last year uh, when there was 70, what, 75, 76 entries. It, it just felt, everything felt bigger. 36 drivers in senior, or, or yeah, 36 drivers, 32, I believe it was in the junior class. It just, the, the, the overall feel for the weekend was bigger, right? It was just, you could just feel the momentum. You feel uh, that there was the atmosphere. David mentioned the atmosphere from the get-go. The, the atmosphere was tremendous. Uh, and David, to be honest, just a, just a more relaxed weekend in terms of the schedule as well. You know, when, especially from where I am in the announcer's booth, you're, you're constantly commentating on races all day long. Like it never ends, right? You're there nonstop from nine till six o'clock at night with the five categories. It was just a bit, just an easier feel. We were done a little bit earlier and there was a lot of fun in the evenings as well. Exactly. You know, the time we stayed on schedule for the majority part of the event. I mean, there was a couple hiccups at the beginning, I think on, uh, on Saturday as we got through qualifying, but from there it was stayed on schedule. Uh, you know, uh, good chunk of time for lunch to kind of regroup and get some food in everybody and, and, and re and get set for the rest of the heat races on Saturday and then go into the main events on Sunday. Uh, and then again, yeah, just the atmosphere again, you know, it, um, it, it was, it, it was always positive. There was no negatives throughout the weekend. So that's, you know, you always kind of measure things on, on the negativity you keep hearing. And there was none, you know, there was obviously some upsetness, uh, depending on what tent you went in based on performances and, and just that. So, um, uh, again, overall a positive weekend, uh, at Newcastle. And, uh, obviously J3, the, the guys were front and center throughout the entire weekend, right? Jim and John, Jack and Melly were, were working the, the tire desk and, and, and getting people checked in. And Justin Stefani, of course, was trackside and, and was, was busting his butt the entire weekend as well. So all told just, just, a, uh, cool to see the people that are running the program, uh, boots on the ground, right? Exactly. Yeah. You had Jim and John uh, making sure everybody had all the parts, tires, anything they needed. Uh, Justin going around doing everything and anything else that he could do. And, and of course, all the rest of the staff that they have on board. Uh, you know, they got amazing social media going. Um, you know, all the tire changing contest, tire changing contest on Friday was amazing. You know, that that's a great precursor to what uh, we'll probably see Henry announcing uh, in Bahrain as well, too. Hopefully some of those American uh, and, and, uh, North American people will be able to, mechanics will be able to represent us well over there as well. Uh, but yeah, so just, just amazing. Dave, what are your thoughts about, about momentum all total? You know, I think, you know, I talked to Justin about it a little bit last year. I said, you guys had such a great race last year at the, at the, at the trophy final. It kind of helped fuel a bit of the excitement for the continuing growth of both the East and West trophy series, you know, the West, uh, program out in Arizona. And of course the Northeast here for, for the Rotax program. I just feel like that the success of those then, of course, fed this this year's trophy final, which will then, of course, feed the East and West next year. Because it just you can just feel the momentum and, and, the, and the drivers and the teams and the families being excited, I think, already about 2024. Exactly. You know, people it's, you know, that the easiest marketing ploy is, you know, uh, talking to your friends about it. 
and uh, you know, word of mouth. And so those who were at event last year went out and talked to friends and, and fellow racers and got them on board to come to this year. So now some of the new people that were there this year and especially the teams, et cetera, they're going to be talking with with others uh, about going to 2024, but also because of, you know, the way the, 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 the tickets were structured this year, you know, meant a lot for the West and East programs. Well, they're going to kind of revamp that. And it looks like, you know, at least we're right now for sure in the West, they're going to be handing out tickets at the West right away. So that, I think that's going to help build up the West program a little bit more. And I'm sure the same is going to happen in the East when they, when they confirm all the program out there as well too. So just, uh, a lot of opportunity for for people to get road tax grand final tickets which is again one of the tickets most sought after tickets you want to get in the world in terms of karting and, and so it just builds you know again and then the positive atmosphere that was in the paddock all weekend long helps build uh towards next year and beyond karting is essentially going to be done here in the united states north america when the rotax max challenge grand finals rolls out on december 2nd to the 9th that's a long event essentially like a sunday to a saturday to a certain extent as as uh things really get rolling on the monday and everything at, at the track bahrain international karting circuit is where it will be this year we'll of course have full coverage of it here on ecartingnews.com uh so make sure to look out for that we'll be working with the entire j3 competition crew on the lead up to the event itself with driver bios team bios that kind of a thing and really kind of set the stage for what should be a tremendous weekend uh david one of the things we talk a lot about of course is the you know support from the industry for any organization uh great support teams shops whatever it may be in the end four different brands uh were able to score wins in the five categories on the weekend yeah, Comp Cart uh, winning in the Senior Max, Tony Cart with Wesley Gundler in Junior Max, uh, Cosmic Ben Cooper, the Canadian taking uh, the ticket there from everybody, uh, and then two Cart Republic wins in the Cadet Division, Mini and Micro. So uh, yeah. I think that we just had that too, at, I want to say at USPKS, where we had both uh, Cadet Divisions won by Cart Republic. The micro category, super competitive uh, here in 2023. Let's wrap things up with the ECAN Trackside Live Race Calendar presented today by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing is everything you need to go racing from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. Head to www.shopakr.com. All right, David, we got a couple of races coming here over the next uh, couple of weeks. We have actually this weekend off, right, which is going to be nice, a little breather. And then we get rolling on Wednesday down to the Cup Karts North America Grand National 7. This is an event, again, September 28th to the 1st. We're going to be there with our trackside coverage. Dave McIntyre will be on the broadcast. Uh, this is going to be a big show, David. Uh, you and I have gone to a number of these. It is growing. The momentum. We talk about momentum with the trophy final. This thing has unbelievable momentum right now. Uh, it's going to end up being probably the second biggest sprint cart race, maybe even more. It could be the biggest sprint cart race, but probably the second biggest sprint cart race of the year uh, with the Super Nationals. Uh, where are they now? 475 entries, something like that? 482 as I look on my Ooh. laptop, uh, leading up to what will be the last last day of pre-registration is Thursday, September 21st. So just two more days uh, as we record this until you need to register. 
a whopping 97 drivers entered in senior medium, 89 in senior light. We have junior with 77 and then senior heavy with 61. Okay. So give me, so give me let, let's start with what are the cadet categories right now? I'm going to add these up. Go, go. What do we got? Well, I just told you 482. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I got it. I just pulled the calculator out, dummy. <laughs> start again. What's, I already what's, told you 482. Um, no, no, 482 is entries, David. I want yeah. name. No, so but look, dude, if you go each cadet category, because the only classes anybody can double up on is, right? are the senior categories. Correct. So, yes. so just so do just senior medium, right? And then do masters and legends, right? Mm. Or, or half and half. You're going to get closer on the numbers because yeah. there's, there's going to be guys that are going to run double duty. Like, how many numbers do you actually think? Correct. Right. Uh, I would I I would say at least 125 in senior, because you got drivers doing medium and heavy probably, or you have some just doing senior heavy, etc. So just just to round out a good number, you could say 125 to 150, whichever you want to go with. So how many guys do we have in cadet the cadet classes? So kid carts is 13. Yep. Sportsman is 35. Yep. Cadet is 28, because remember, we split up that program into two categories this year. Yeah, and I'll give, give, and me, give, me, give me just Masters right now. I mean, just Legends. Junior is 77. Okay, and just Legends. Legends is 39. So at the very least, you're at 312, just people. Correct. And that's just not talking some guys that may run Masters and Senior Heavy, right? Correct. Yeah, well, that's where I was, I was doing the 125, because if we count for just Senior Drivers, because then you can add in Masters. You get what I'm saying? It's close. It's it's it's. I would I would say tentatively three fifty to three seventy in terms of right. just drivers by themselves, individual drivers. That 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 would be my call. That's how big this race is. It'll be Ridiculous. over three hundred drivers for sure. Oh it's, yeah, hundred percent over easily over three hundred. Yeah, you're not a math guy. You should have left. Leave the math to me, Rob. No, I'm, I I have the degree on the wall right here. Then where's I the can number? Show it to you. Then why wouldn't you give me the number right now? Because I didn't feel like doing the math right now. I'm a writer. <laughs> but I, th I thought you said you were the math guy. I'm the math guy when I have time to do it. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a big race. Uh, it's it's going to be a beat Rob gonna... Howden. Hashtag beat Rob Howden weekend. You know what? It could be, David. Maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the It'll year. It'll be your 55-year-old birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you don't beat me, the sweetness of it. I will okay. retire. I probably, I might pull a Tony Ventresca and just retire. This will be this. If you don't beat me, this will be the sweetness of it. If it's not mechanical and it's man versus man, I may retire. Well, the mechanical, so anytime you've had mechanical issues, it's always been because of you, you've been too rough on your equipment. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. That's what exactly what it is, Rob. Sure. <laughs> okay. you, as a driver, you should never blame your team, David. I take, don't take, take the blame, David. I did. That your chain would have fallen off had you not been beating on the curbs and knocking out your your uh, your motor mount. It was wet, so I had to ride the curbs with better grip. <laughs> well, it's funny. I made it to the end. Blew by yeah, you. Yeah. <sighs> okay, it's so been I, one. Listen, so after the beating, Grand you take, after, you, after you cry yourself to sleep because you weren't able to beat Rob Howden again, you immediately have to turn around and go to the next race, right? Let's wrap things yes, up with the fact I that on Thursday, you're heading to the USPKS Carolina Grand Prix. Uh, the final for the USPKS down at Trackhouse Motorplex, October 6th to the 8th. Um, I just I look at the racing we've had, right? That This race, this, this US trophy final, the racing was epic. We talked about how great that pre-final was. 
you know that the Cup Carts Grand uh, Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals are going to be unbelievable. Ninety something drivers all trying to battle for you know make the main event, and then of course you go to the USPKS final at Trackhouse. It's kind of a, a, like unofficial home for the USPKS series. That race with a bunch of challenge championships still up for grabs is going to be absolutely epic. It's yeah, it's going to be a great one. You know, um, all, uh, I shouldn't say all the championships because. <laughs> A couple of them are already wrapped up. So that's, what I thought. that's, that's going to be the, that's going to be the crazy part is, you know, we're going to have drivers actually probably moving up already. Uh, you know, True. some mini moving up to juniors, some juniors moving up to seniors. We've already seen that with Ernesto Rivera, who's essentially clinched uh, both junior tire titles. So we'll probably see him in junior competition or senior competition. That yeah. is. Um, but yeah, again, and then track house produces great racing, amazing uh, races every every time we go to it's where the USPKS began back in 2013. So it is basically the home of the USPKS. So uh, excited to get back there and uh, and cover this year's finale. David will be trackside for that entire event. Make sure to cover it as always. All the uh, social the media that we do, whether it's uh, throughout the day interviews, uh, you know the victory lane uh, coming across the scale interviews we do, all the uh, top tens we do each and every session. Uh, again, just had such a great time this past weekend at the, the U.S. Trophy Final. Shout out to everybody for J3 Competition and Race Rotax. They've done a great job uh, really planting the roots and building, rebuilding the foundation of a, of, a, of a program, an engine manufacturer that was a big player here in North American karting for so many years. They did have a bit of a lull. There's some issues that they have remedied, and they are back in a big way. And although we all know that Rotax still massively supported globally with the uh, grand finals every year, it really is starting to take big roots and gain momentum here in the U.S. once again. That caps off this edition of the ECAN Debrief, folks. We hope uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for, for tuning in. More to come, of course. We've got lots of stuff coming. We have our uh, our Outlet Preview podcast for the CKNA Grand Nationals coming up pretty soon, too, as well. Stay tuned. Lots more to come here on the EKN Radio Network. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. Bye.